Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for listening to Messages of Hope, the sermon from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Today is the Sunday of Pentecost, and we are reading from Acts chapter 2, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and the Gospel of John with chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How can we rejoice when our schools are unsafe, when our churches are in crisis, when women and people of color and our LGBTQIA family are struggling to survive and elected officials spend their time obstructing each other's plans and neighbors wonder how they will feed their children or maintain their business or be able to retire? How can we rejoice? easy to become despondent, feel like there's no way out, and this is the beginning of our inevitable downfall. But people of God, followers of Jesus, Living Hope Lutheran Church, I want to tell you today that this is our time. This is the moment to which we have been called and ordained, set apart for, to live out our baptismal promises to listen to the needs of others, to bond together, to have faith, to devote ourselves to God and to one another, and to proclaim the promise of our God, who has not, who will not, who does not abandon us, but sends us an advocate. This is the season of the Holy Spirit. It's what we're made for, as if we had a choice. We're here now. This is what we get to do. This is nothing new, folks. The people of Jerusalem gathered for the festival of Shavuot, the festival of weeks. Since it was seven weeks after the Passover, 49 days to mark the waiting time. Just like that time in the wilderness when they were waiting to be led into the promised land. They were waiting again. More literally, the time of growing grain, this was a grain harvest when the first fruit of the promised land might be offered up to God as thanksgiving. It was a celebration also, it became over the years, a celebration of the giving of the Torah, the law, the teaching of God. The 50th day, Pentecost, like the 50th year, represented the Jubilee. Freedom, freedom from debt and slavery and a time for rest. So the people knew the Spirit already. She was the wind that hovered over the waters at creation, that blew over the desert, the voice of the prophets and the presence of God in the world. Christians that think this was the first time the Spirit came, no, we know better. The Spirit was speaking for thousands of years throughout time. But this day especially, this day of Pentecost, when we hear how the the Spirit descended on all the people as tongues of fire and the sound of a rushing wind reminds us the Spirit is uncontrollable. She blows where she will and moves God's people, often uncomfortably, from stagnation to action, from isolation to community, gathering them in, from pain into healing. There's something we might know something about. We've been through so much already. Not just a pandemic. Two years of exhaustion, gasping for breath, for spirit. 
hiding from the world, maybe where nurses and doctors and teachers were pushed to the front line, past their limits, to continue to serve in unimaginable conditions. But we've been through more. Drought, fires, economic collapse, violence in the streets, wars between nations, 400 years of slavery, and the ongoing effects of patriarchy and white supremacy. This nation, we the people, have been through it. And yet, we survive. We grow, we thrive, we move. We are resilient in the face of danger and threats. We struggle, we overcome, we are empowered and healed and held by that spirit of God. God, our strength, who calls us not to have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of joy. It's this power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. It helps us to persevere when times are difficult, when we think we just can't keep going that breath of God gets breathed into us again. It begins here at these waters of baptism where Mariposa was the most recent one to receive that Holy Spirit here in this congregation. Yeah, she's here with us today, yeah. We all have that. All who have been baptized have been given that gift of God's Spirit. That's a reason to rejoice right there. So we'll stick with that. And that power that fell on all the people is with us we got to remind ourselves of it. Let that sink into your mind just a minute. That same voice that spoke through the prophets is in me, is in you. Makes you move, makes you breathe. I had a seminary professor that said, if the Spirit of God were to cease to sustain us, we would not exist. That's everything. That's the breath that is in us. The Spirit is blowing in this church. Over the past six months, events uh, took place in the Sierra Pacific Synod, one based in Sacramento that includes the northern part of our state as well. They met up in Reno, Sparks, uh, this weekend. And it culminated with the dismissal of a Latino mission pastor. On the day of the Feast of Guadalupe, a day of particular significance, especially for people of Mexican descent. And this was followed by accusations of acts of racism, abuse, bullying, and more. This is our church. I mentioned this other synod, and you might think, well, that's not our synod, that's not here, but we are, what, one church, folks, right? This is the ELCA. People that are colleagues of Pastor Matt and I that are members of this body of Christ. So months of pushback from people around the country and, and uh, a lot of social media back and forth, uh, the churchwide office there in Chicago formed a listening panel, and then it went out to, to Sacramento and, and to the places where these people were to listen to the story and hear what happened, to hear the stories and experiences of uh, the people of Mission Latina Luterana. And the bishop of that synod, Bishop Megan Rohr, while not brought up on disciplinary action, has been asked to resign by the presiding bishop. There is now. And now it's changed. So it's changing rapidly, folks. Yeah, uh, things changing. But so, so the report from this listening team was initially not even made public. It was a report to the bishop. She certainly did not have to make it public, but she did after some pushback. And it included some more information, and conclusions were shocking to some and perhaps not taken seriously enough by the churchwide office, causing many of our colleagues to ask for the presiding bishop to resign as well. 
So I haven't brought it up. I haven't spoken out a lot about all this stuff because I, you know, feeling like I didn't have all the information. It's changing rapidly. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. I don't have a deep enough understanding of, of the events that went on. But I did watch the this Synod Assembly over the weekend. I got to hear the people of the Synod uh, making their voices heard and letting the Spirit speak through through that assembly. And they took a vote to remove the bishop and... It was 57% to remove, not enough for the two-thirds majority needed. Bishop uh, Megan Rohr will continue to serve, as far as I know. Uh, but you can see the church is deeply divided. And everyone who spoke out said we were so uh, grateful to have Bishop Megan Rohr when uh, they were elected last year, the first trans bishop in the ELCA. People rejoiced for this milestone, uh, and yet um, now they are struggling. We are one body of Christ, and when the body suffers, we all suffer. Right now, the body is bent and broken. This will likely be covered at our upcoming Synod Assembly this weekend and probably the churchwide assembly in August. Pastor Matt will be there representing us. There's no easy fix. How can we rejoice over this stuff? In this church, we confess we have not loved God with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And we know we will never get it all right. Not as a church, not as a denomination, not as individuals, but we can all be better about welcoming, about including God's people of color and our LGBTQIA siblings, about speaking up for the marginalized, about putting our faith into action in meaningful ways without protecting the powerful or upholding standards of niceness or bowing to whiteness in a way that harms our neighbors and the ones we serve. Standing on God's word and trusting that God's spirit is strong enough to handle these things, we can persevere. The good news is we are not we are, the good news is we are one body whose unity is not in denominations or flags or skin tone, but in Christ Jesus. We are all equally called to the foot of the cross to repent for the ways we have failed one another. We have failed at being community. We are all forgiven and freed to radical love and rejoicing for the gifts that God has given each of us. And we have been called to persevere through hardship, to trust that God is God and that we are not, that Christ is Lord and we are not, and that we are bound to one another by a spirit of love. That spirit that holds the Father and the Son together, that same spirit blows through the world every moment of every day, sustaining us in our walk of life, connecting us to God, connecting us to one another, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, forgiving us our failures, making us into something new. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Status quo is not an option. We do not stay put. We get up, we move, we come here to worship and hear this word and then are sent not to be planted as trees, but to go and make disciples, to share good news, to comfort those troubled hearts and we're not going back to the good old days, folks. hate to tell you. We are church here and now for a reason, being made and remade by this Holy Spirit of God that is still speaking to us, still falling on us 
still pouring out for us, speaking to us and through us. Two summers ago, we saw the righteous anger over police violence spill out into the streets in our cities and our communities, cities all over this country, and many were offended by the destruction and violence that seemed to contradict the goals of those who showed up to protest. Others were offended that those in power failed to act in meaningful ways to end systemic injustice. And we're still without so many answers to many of the problems that we face as a nation and as a church. We lament for the violence that we see in schools and workplaces and supermarkets and streets. Just this weekend, Philadelphia, Arizona, more. Too much. And we mourn and we pray for the innumerable families that have now had to bury their children after each school shooting and those who've lost loved ones because of someone with a gun. And we can blame God and shake our fists and wonder why God doesn't just fix this stuff and be done with it. Paul could have done that as he sat imprisoned for proclaiming Jesus Christ across the known world. But instead, he tells the people, rejoice at all times. At all times. And it's not this version of toxic positivity that says, just be happy, just smile more, that views the world through rose-colored glasses, but this sees the world as it is, calls a thing what it is, and puts full trust in God to give the power to bring about change. Do not worry. Bring all your requests to God and trust that God is still at work in the world and in us. And there's work to do. Work that we are called to do. And there's no doubt that we are in the midst of a major upheaval. Okay, many of them ongoing simultaneously. But we can take that as a blessing. Because the Spirit is blowing, and that's how we know. The Spirit is moving in us. When you get that feeling, you know that Spirit is moving. And we're not without tools at our disposal. Each one of us has gifts to share in this community, in this church, in our neighborhoods, in the places we go and serve, to lighten the load of the people we meet. You have a meaningful role in this community in the healing of the world. What do you think it is? And I want to hear it. This is not a rhetorical question. What gifts do you have in you? What is it that is in you that occupies your time? I'll ask it in the easiest way. What do you do that feeds your spirit? What is activating and inspiring to you? What do you do? What do you spend your time doing? Just think of that thing that you love to do and you want to get out and do it right after you leave here. What is it? Kayaking. Yes. This is a blessing and a gift to you that you use to regenerate your energy, right? To find your center. It doesn't stop there, does it? You bring that back with you, that peace. What do you do? What are you going to do when you leave here today? You can say eat lunch. Go to grandma's. Go to grandma's, visit a friend, visit someone in the hospital, sing. Who said sing? Yeah. These are gifts. 
showing up, visitation, being there for people who need you, that is a gift that is in you that you get to go and bring that to someone. Family, bound together by blood and the spirit too, being there for one another. These are gifts that we have that can bring healing. Watching baseball, Mary, I know. There's something there, I'll figure it out. But I want to say it's not some magic power you have to go and, and lay hands on somebody or, or to you know, start up. You don't have to have a, a prayer vigil on the corner. But it's the things that you are already doing that are your vocation in life that use the gifts that God has given you to bring peace, to bring healing, to bring comfort, to bring laughter, to bring joy so that all God's people can rejoice together. And that's a reason to rejoice for all those things that you do. Empowered by God. We worship. We pray. We share what we have. We accompany, teach, listen, accompany, advocate, repent, forgive, and love. We are parents and grandparents and siblings and neighbors and helpers and teachers and feelers and friends called by God to live in this kingdom gather as church and to be light in the world. That is what we have been given. All this and more, and we've been welcomed and loved and provided for. We have been accepted and entrusted with gifts and responsibilities. We've been named and claimed by that same Holy Spirit that spoke through the prophets, that blew over the waters at creation and through the desert wilderness. That power is in us. That spirit is still here today. That same spirit that fell on all those assembled at Jerusalem, on each of us in our baptism, will not leave us where we are, but will bring us into God's world that God loves so much. So for the opportunity to live and breathe and move, and for the knowledge that we are not alone, for that we can rejoice. Amen. For the power to learn and heal and forgive and for where we've been and where we're going, for that we will rejoice. Amen. Amen. For the love that sustains us when we are ripped to shreds and worn and weary and at death's door, for that we will rejoice. Amen. 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 In God's word, we rejoice. Amen.